Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Now, from Happy Valley, here's your host, Brian Tripp. Welcome into another episode of Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Brian Tripp, thanks for being with us here once again. If you like any of our episodes, again, that you've listened to, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And this time, we have Assistant Athletic Director for Performance Nutrition Services, Kayla Martin, with us. Kayla, it's great to have you here on the podcast. Thank you for um, spending the time with me today and really um, diving into what performance nutrition um, is for our student athletes. Well, you know what? That's actually one of the first things I ask all of our guests because we hear the title and I think sometimes anyone listening has an idea, but from your perspective, how would you describe what you do on a day-to-day basis? Yes, that is a complex question, but it, it's, um, it's, it's awesome opportunity to really educate our student athletes on how to fuel their bodies. So I am a sports dietitian, uh, sports nutrition. So I like to think of performance nutrition. My, my title um, is really simplified into providing nutrition resources for sports. Um, so sometimes that's the easier term um, when I'm talking to people. I'm a sports nutritionist um, or dietitian. Um, and um, what I do on a daily basis is, is a wide variety of uh, services that range from team educations uh, to the athletes. It might be counseling from a performance standpoint. So how do I uh, compete or how do I eat to compete? Or it might be I just had a surgery and how am I trying to come back from that surgery? So it's the health of a person first that I that I look at from a nutrient standpoint, and then that rolls into um, the performance component. Um, we've got 31 sports teams, so every single team has a different nutritional n- need or demand. Um, we have student-athlete fueling stations. Uh, fuel is my term for food. Um, and so the, the fuel stations are basically hubs or little kiosks for the athletes to get pre, during, and post-workout um, nutrition in, so uh, food or beverages that will enhance their, their sport performance. Student-athlete diet opportunities like training table. I also teach an undergraduate sports nutrition <laughs> class and, and I am an alum of the program. Uh, I graduated from here um, in nutrition and was a free sport athlete in track and field, indoor, outdoor, as well as cross country. So yeah, let's start right there. So when you were participating and competing at Penn State, how valuable was the nutrition aspect to you? And was it something that you were always passionate about? So I, I, when I was being recruited, one of the things that I really looked at was uh, nutrition. So my parents have been impactful from the start. They were coaches and, and teachers, and my mom taught health. Um, also Italian, so the, what you can't see, you viewers, is that I talk with my hands. Um, but um, So food has been always a big part of my life. So the health... The, the teaching or coaching um, and, and the sport has always been um, with me from day one. And my mom is the one that said, why don't you look at a school that has a good nutrition program? Well, Penn State was ranked number one in nutrition. Um, and so we have a very strong academic program. So it was very driven that way. As an athlete, I, I was kind of managing my own nutrition. We didn't have the nutrition resources. There was a sports dietitian that was here. Mm-hmm. Um, the cool history is that she was personally hired by Jopa. Um, and there, she was the one of the first two sports 
dietitians um, in, in the NCAA. Um, and so, you know, she helped me pick my head up to the career possibilities. But fast forward, I was hired by the University of Notre Dame um, as the assistant uh, director of sports nutrition. And at that time, I was the 18th sports dietitian across the country. Wow. Um, and so when I graduated, there were, you know, eight sports dietitians across the country um, in, in the NCAA. And then, you know, what is that, you know, six years later, five years later, um, there were only 10 more. And so wow. I was one of those 10. And so it really wasn't a vision at the time because I didn't know that it was going to be an opportunity, but it, it truly is my my perfect blend of um, still being tied with sports, still being able to coach, but being able to coach what I'm passionate about in my profession and, and not be um, in the hospitals, but really being on the field or on the track or, or on the turf um, or on the court with the athletes and, and helping them understand that food or fueling can really help their performance um, propel forward. And it's something that didn't exist when I was an athlete. I would be the one packing my own Gatorade and I ate oatmeal with salt packets. It sounds totally disgusting, but I <laughs> knew I needed carbs and I knew I didn't want to cramp. And, and, and you know, your little plastic silverware that has the, the salt packet in it. I'm like, that's cheap. I'm a poor college student. So uh, I'll take that and I'll bring that with me in my Big Ten track and field bag and um, I'll figure it out myself. So I take my experiences of kind of hodgepodging my nutrition lessons together, um, and I'm, I'm able to be relatable to the student athletes as a as an as a former athlete, not only here living, you know, riding the same blue loop that the athletes did, <laughs> and living on Burroughs Street. Um, now I'm teaching a class, uh, live through that academic class, but I also uh, uh, post uh, Penn State. I, I got my master's in sports psychology. I you know looked at sport very differently, and I, I was a volunteer track and field coach at the University of Tennessee. And isn't it crazy? Just look where your office is now. Your new office now. You're in a sports performance lab, and you're on a sports performance and student athlete welfare team where there are so many different pieces, whether it is the psychological piece, the applied science piece, the nutrition piece. There's so many things that go into the student athlete experience today and the resources that are available at Penn State. The sports performance team here is really, really special. Um, this is my third institution that, that I've been a part at. The vision that Sandy Barber has for us uh, and Charmel Green to really be holistic and organic and servicing our student athletes is, is really special. And it comes back to, we've got really great people that I work with um, and we are truly a team and we as a team build and work together to provide the best services for student athletes. And because we're such a strong team, I, I really believe that we are able to to be competitive against other, other universities and, and what we provide because um, we're communicating very, you know, on a daily basis, all of the student athlete support services to give the student athlete the best experience. And I always tell that to my athletes, my job is to prepare them for their coaches. You know, I, my job is to give you the tools to be able to show up to practice every day so that your coach can coach you to the best ability. Um, and every athlete may have a different starting point. Um, but, but that's where it's really neat to be able to come in and do that. And From a nutrition and diet standpoint, what, and this is so hard with 31 different programs and you have gymnasts or you have wrestlers and you have football offensive linemen, you have hockey players, they all have different needs. But what tools that are common between all the sports do you want to provide those student athletes with? I think there's tools, but I think the first thing is teaching an athlete or a person to learn how to respect their body. That's mm -hmm. that's really one of my mottos because when we're in high school, you know, we show up to practice, we bring our spikes, 
you know, we may get in the ice bath if that exists, or we may get some ice, we may do a little foam rolling. Uh, strength and conditioning is usually a part of it, but you never really stop and learn how to take care of your body and or appreciate your body as this miraculous machine, right? Mm-hmm. So I think a part of the growing up experience is really stopping and learning about yourself um, and utilizing, you know, your own self-analysis. I always say be your best detective. Learning about yourself, learning about how you feel each day. A lot of the things that Josh Nelson in Sports Science uh, from his wellness surveys or whatnot is putting in place, a lot of what Carl Olson is teaching them. So the first thing is that self-awareness piece. Um, so it's it's not maybe a, a food as a tool, but it, it truly is like learning how to take care of yourself when you when you come to college. And then we insert, you know, our education, you know, piece of it, which is, are you checking the boxes of getting in a breakfast, lunch, and dinner? You know, let's be as basic as we can, because those of us who have went to college, we know that the the schedule of high school no longer exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that can be a very overwhelming process to the student athlete. Um, when you come here, you're on, you know, 6 a.m. practice in the morning. You may have to come back at 3 or 4 uh, or 8 p.m. or you're traveling. And so that the schedule and the time management that was once built in, you now have to learn how to manage that independently. You also have to learn to stock your fridge. You also have to, to learn to get to the dining hall. You have to be self-motivated to initiate the mealtime, to bring your hydration to class. You have to, so there's a there's a maturing piece um, that is really, uh, again, it's not necessarily a tool, but it's it's a mindset that, that we really need to instill um, in the athlete. And then when they, you know, when they start to make these decisions, I, I utilize, you know, kind of two phrases or pillars is one is uh, fuel with purpose. So when I choose my food or, or my fuel, why am I choosing that tool? Now my fuel stations or my nutrition um, hubs for these athletes, we've got 11 of them across our, mm-hmm. our campuses. Those are set up uh, as educational resources and I'm providing the, f- the food, I'm providing the hydration for the athletes for them to walk in there and be able to fuel with purpose. So if I'm, you know, going to soccer practice, I can walk into my fuel station, I can get my pre-workout, maybe fruit that I'm having, maybe I'm going to have a bagel that day, maybe I'm going to have post-workout, I'm going to come back in and I'm going to have a a Greek yogurt or we've made a smoothie for you, I'm going to pick up my vitamins. So it becomes their hub of resource. So now that they're they're learning the life skill and we're helping them pre-during and post and every uh, of the 11 fuel stations are different touch points for different teams. Um, and they have to then, the third pillar would be understand their demand. So they respect their body, their fuel with a purpose, and they understand their demand. And, and the demand of, let's say I use soccer, for example, the goalkeeper might be a different metabolic demand or nutritional demand um, based on his or her activity on the field than the defender or the midfielder. Um, maybe someone's six foot tall and, and, a, and a female and the other person is a six foot four and a male. Um, and maybe someone's 18 years old and the other person um, or the other athlete is, is 23. So everybody is a, uh, is a little bit different. So if they understand those, they can, they can utilize the nutrition resources um, at a much higher level and learn to kind of manage the day in and day out because it's not just one meal or one magic pill. It's the accumulation of um, kind of the resources and their their self-discipline to make those better choices that's going to ultimately lead to um, the, the stronger, more powerful, more durable athlete. 
um, across time. And I'm sure there are athletes that come in at Penn State. There are Olympians here. There are championship caliber athletes who at 18 years old, when they step on campus, they know what they need to do and they are committed already to having a type of meal plan that works for them. There are probably some others that really need some guidance and some advice and some help. So what is it like when you see someone who comes in at 18 and leaves at 22, embraces it, and then they come back and say, Kayla, you know what? What you taught me really made a difference and helped me grow as an athlete on the field during my time at Penn State. What's that like for you? I think that's really the driving force of, you know, that it's really like the driving force of, of my job. And, um, people ask me all the time, they're like, I don't know how you do this. I was just in a meeting uh, earlier and they're like, you have to manage this and do that. And I'm like, I, you forget about all, all of the nuances that, that come with, um, the logistics of, of a position like this and overseeing everything. Cause the, the, the love for a career comes into moments like that. So having those athletes have their aha moments. Mm -hmm. This is not a Penn State athlete, but it's it's an experience that I, I will never forget. So um, my first job as a sports dietitian was at the University of, of Notre Dame, actually where I met my boss now, Charmel Green. Uh, she, she and I were there uh, for a, a split second together, but I worked with their women's basketball team um, who um, – Fortunately, I, I've been to four Final Fours with them. Yeah. And one of the athletes, um, Skylar, Skylar Diggins, I'll never forget one of her aha moments. And I was young in my career at this point. But she called me one summer. She was doing an interview with ESPN. And that, that women's basketball, some teams are harder than others mm -hmm. um, because we don't necessarily tag them with the, the healthiest of uh, championship names. So women's basketball um, and, and or basketball, you see McDonald's All-American. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> wait a second, that's not representing <laughs> nutrition. So a lot of, and I played basketball, my mom coached growing up. So like you stop at McDonald's, that's what you do. So you have to take a hard sport like that and say like, listen, I know you've become the best in your game and you've done it fueled on McDonald's or whatever, um, fast food, but I've got to change that. So when I was working with that team, I'll never forget that. Like I was trying to break that sport of kind of like their fast food habits or whatnot. And she called me one summer, uh, she was working at, uh, doing an internship at ESPN and she's like, Hey, how you made me feel at, you know, we, it was, uh, in Colorado. So we we're at altitude, a whole nother level of kind of nutritional demands, um, at the final four. She's like, I felt so good. Like I've never felt that level of energy and, um, you know, I want to get back there. So it was kind of a cool moment and, that I can remember as, you know, as a dietitian, that was kind of a delayed response, right. With someone who, you know, is, is on the U S team right now, we're going to see in their, the Olympics and has got an incredible story behind who she is and, and really how she's adapted her nutrition and really, you know, blossomed from there. But, um, just to have that athlete have that aha moment from like, you no, know, this is how I do it. And I'm really successful to like, wow, I didn't even know I could feel that much better. Molly Seidel, who just um, made the uh, U.S. Olympic team, um, was also another athlete of mine, um, and she's got a total different story, but this weekend she was second the, in the U.S. marathon trials, um, and, and hers were some, some eating woes and some disordered eating, and so there's other ways that I can also impact an athlete, and sometimes the aha moment, again, might be in college, and sometimes it might be later on in college, so it's really neat to just live through different stories. Um, and, and Donovan Mitchell, um, who's is a pronounced NBA athlete. I worked very yeah. closely with him. And so just, just all the different athletes along my career, it's, it's been neat to see where they are and then the platforms that they take, um, with their own nutrition. Um, so it's really neat. Obviously we've discussed it's different and everyone has their own plan, but what are some of the common things that you stress 
with your Penn State athletes today from a nutrition and a diet standpoint? Well, you know, I think I talked about them before. It's really fueling with purpose. Mm -hmm. um, it's food first um, in our world. I mean, you have to have a, a, a sound foundation with your nutrition. Like you have to wake up and you have to eat your breakfast. Um, it's funny. I've got a one-year-old and on Sesame Street, they reinforce the basics. I'm <laughs> learning so much again from Sesame Street. And I, I kind of joke because I said that, you know, really what they're talking about, you know, life hygiene of you know, hydrating and, you know, brushing your teeth and, and making sure that you're, you're fueling and eating your fruits and vegetables. I'm like, man, I need to play this for my athletes. Um, but it's kind of just going back to basics first. So you have to make sure that you're getting in, you know, your meals first and you're taking care of your body and that you're hydrating. So food and hydration are first, but I like to simplify things. So for my athletes and, and anybody who's listening out there, um, I sometimes utilize a plate plan. So when they go into um, a training table or when they go to their hotel meal, um, I just saw our lacrosse team getting on the bus. So a lot of teams are heading out right now um, for, for training or training trips. They're going to be outside of the, the their Penn State environment. They're yep. going to be not in their, their dorm or apartment or a, a training table or a team environment that is, that is close to home. It's going to be miles away, and they have to figure it out on their own because I'm not with them, right? So we talk about a plate plan and uh, I, you know, from a plate plan standpoint, it's, it's just like being able to check the boxes of do, did I accomplish, you know, my four squares or whatever. And, um, you know, you've got to have your protein, you've got to have your carbohydrates, um, or your grain source, um, your vegetables and, or your fruits. Um, and those might be, um, you know, vegetables or fruit, depending if you're breakfast or lunch. Um, and then I always say there's an enhancement. Maybe it's a sauce or something that's on it. So it makes it flavorful, right? Or you can go extra healthy and make some, put some chia seeds on it. Um, but I, I use Subway as an example all the time. So a lot of times I'll say, uh, actually, I'll, I'll throw it out to you. Brian, what would you order if you were going to Subway? Pretending, pretend I'm the Subway um, clerk. And tell me what you'd order. I would get a six-inch sub on Italian urban cheese. And the only reason I know this is because I just ate at Pagula at lunch. Perfect. And I had a rotisserie chicken okay. with pepper jack cheese on it. And then I had a couple of veggies on and a little sauce. Look at you. You just built a plate plan. So Subway has inadvertently trained America how to mm -hmm. order food. Okay. So you told me what you're going to get. You started with your bread. So you start with your carb. Great. You said next I'm going to have, you know, so you said your Italian urban cheese. I'm going to have chicken, right? Yep. Is that chicken. So you got your protein, check that box. Um, you threw in cheese, cheese is a protein as well. Check the box. Um, you said, I'm going to throw some veggies on there. Good job on that one. You got your, your veg. So you've got, you know, your fruit or veg option. And then your enhancement was, uh, what sauce did you say you're getting? Southwest. I Southwest got. sauce. Mm -hmm. Um, not the best, but we're okay. We checked the <laughs> box. So, so if you take that skill that Subway has taught you, I didn't get chips, didn't get chips. Good job. No, no extra value meal, no cookie. Cause the cookies get tempting. If you were waiting till after this interview, you and you were like probably three hours past hunger, then you would probably want to get the cookie and <laughs> chips. Um, but take that system, right? When you walk into a buffet or when you walk into the dining halls and, and you get really big eyes and you mm -hmm. don't know how to build your plates, um, when you're at home in the morning and you're like, or when you're in the grocery store, like, where do I start? Start with your plate plan, okay? Breakfast, all right, I'm going to have, I, I, my favorite is toast. Okay, I'm going to get my toast. That's my carb. Check my box. Next, I'm going to have my protein. Um, I'm going to do some eggs. I don't have eggs. Okay, um, 
I'm going to use um, dairy in that place. I'm going to have a Greek yogurt today. Um, then I'm going to have, I don't want really veggies in my breakfast. I'm going to throw in my fruit. I'm going to have some pineapple because it's my favorite. Um, and then what's my enhancement going to be? Oh, okay, um, I'm going to put some peanut butter on my toast or whatever it is. So so helping people think through very simple steps. Um, if an athlete needs to gain weight, they can take that plate and they can add you know another piece of toast or they can add more quantity to the plate. Um, of the the volume or another scoop of something, or they can add a new food, like I'm going to drink a glass of milk with Mm -hmm. it. Um, And if they're trying to lean out a little bit, then we can slightly trim the plate down. Um, So I think, again, it's just kind of starting with basics um, to help people think through um, what can be intimidating scenarios, like when you go to a new restaurant and there's four pages to turn through of the menu. I'm like, let's start with basics. What do we need? Where do we start? Um, and, And then... If you can do that, if you can check those boxes for your breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I often lay out a week for an athlete, and it shows um, Sunday. I, got, I mentally think of a week starting on a Sunday. So yeah. I go Sunday through Saturday, whatever. you got seven days of opportunity, right? And if you can check the boxes, if you have a, a breakfast, a lunch, and dinner, right? So you've got seven breakfasts, you've got seven lunches, and you've got seven dinners. So seven times three meals a day is 21 meal opportunities, Okay. If you can check the box that you're getting 21 for 21. If, if I put you on the, the free throw line, Brian, you had to get 21 for 21. We take that. <laughs> we take it, right? But it, but even if you're 18 for 21, you're above 50%. Yeah. Pretty darn good. So a lot of times I have to show people, athletes or, or those just who are listening, mm-hmm. that like just because you don't have maybe every single box checked or maybe, you know, maybe we had the cookie on Monday and Wednesday. Okay, well, Monday and Wednesday isn't, you know, that doesn't completely wreck your base, you know, baseline nutrition. So there's also a place in there for moderation. And so I think it's sometimes unrealistic to, to open, a, you know, click on a web link and say, okay, this is the meal plan that somebody's supposed to follow or here's here's Tom Brady's meal plan that he's following <laughs> yeah. or this is the guy in the combine that we see or, um, you know, so so sometimes we the, the, the perception that we have of what ideal nutrition or ideal diets is, is not the reality because nobody can, can be perfect and every day is different. But if you can look at it and say, hey, I'm above 50% or I'm, you know, I'm, this week I'm 12 for 21. My goal for the for for April or you know for the next month is going to be 15 for 21. And, and then you know when I'm in season, let's say in in May, you know whatever the the sport may be. Okay, I'm going to try to be you know 80 to 100 percent the best I can. I'm going to be 18 to 21 every time I can. And really kind of look at nutrition in a very simple way and a competitive way because you know when you're talking shots on goal or when you're talking you know free throws, these athletes can relate to that stuff. So sometimes taking my world and and simplifying it to um, the competitive nature of, of the sport is um, a way to help um, initiate a habit in food um, because it's personal, because we all have positive and or negative affiliations with food. And um, we, we tend to create our own habits for the, for the good or bad. And sometimes I have to help people break those habits um, or I have to encourage you know, you to eat broccoli and you're like, Kayla, that looks like the trees outside. Like why? And it tastes and feels disgusting in my mouth. And, you know, we use all, all five senses when we, when we eat and, um, and we have affiliations when I go to the movie theater that popcorn is the thing and that, you know, and, and so, so to help people understand there's times and place for everything, but if you can have a solid foundation and this is everyone out there, this is just as in our athletes, that if you can do that and, and you can be, you know, above your 50%, you're going to see results with your nutrition. 
So um, and I know that's a, that's a very long answer, but it's, it's really some things that I think that we as a society do wrong mm-hmm. um, and that we can really be so much better um, if we just look at nutrition differently rather than counting numbers mm-hmm. um, and seeing the, the benefit um, over it. Well, that's fascinating stuff. And I think that's probably a pretty good place to let this thing drop for today. And then we'll come back and visit with you again. But I have to ask you before we go, because you know fans out there are wondering, she must have some crazy stories about how many calories a football player eats during a season or a hockey player in season. You got to give us some of those good stories if you have one or two. Absolutely. So um, it's it's really fun. So um, I would say on average, because I'm actually crunching some numbers and writing some nutrition plans for some of our football guys now. On average, uh, you know, five to six, 6,000 is probably a, f- a number for, for football that I would throw out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I'm going to look at two cool, two facts about those two sports. Um, so football, on average, those guys are, is requiring an easy 6,000 calories. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, you know, more of your skill, a small skill, a wide receiver, you know, safeties, you're running a lot more, so you're burning more of those calories, so your body weight may not be as high, but you're expending more on a typical mm-hmm. day. Um, and that's something that, like, our sports scientists can, can figure out from his um, really awesome technology. But if you're, like, a lineman, you may just have, a, you know, more body mass. So if you've got more body mass, you need to hold that. You may not be running as much, but that's, you know, that's a part of it. So 6,000 is an, is a, is an easy number. And if you weigh 300 pounds, you probably have to get in about 300 grams of protein. Um, wow. so they, they have, it's, it becomes a chore for some of them to actually eat as much as they have to. Mm-hmm. So it, it, you know, a lot of people don't think that, but it can be really hard. Um, now, um, one of the cool things I think, or fun facts I would say about hockey is that for hockey, um, they typically don't eat their pregame meal, um, until, or they eat their pregame meal a lot earlier than most teams. Um, in the world of sports nutrition, we, uh, ask the athletes to eat their meal about, um, three to four hours, um, before competition hockey is more of like a six hour um and then they actually take naps so they eat their pregame meal about six hours ahead of um you know the, the whistle blowing or, or game time um and then they sleep and then they wake up and they have a heavy snack and i'll put some quotes around snack um because it's probably you know two or three peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and and a few gatorades some people that can tolerate milk may have a few glasses of milk um but they're probably getting in another you know 600 to a thousand calories in their snack, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and the, the lay population, we're probably looking at like, Oh, I have a 200 calorie snack bar, a hundred calorie snack bar, but they're getting another thousand calories. And in most cases is a heavy snack. Um, so for, for both that sport and for football, um, when we look at what a snack is, it might be, you know, a 12 inch subway sub or whatever yeah. it may be, or two sandwiches. Um, so, um, snacks are defined very different from sport to sport. And, um, it's really, really fun to, uh, experience that with those, those guys and gals and in, in terms of what they, they've got to consume to, to maintain their weight and maintain a, a um, optimal performance to, to really fuel our best trip. Yeah. I know that when you get on the, the bus to go on your trip for hockey and the post-practice snack is Chipotle. That's usually my dinner. <laughs> yeah, they often eat, and, and athletes, you know, they, they're at first, you know, they I don't want to say they question it, but they're like, wait, what did that count as? Because I ate this at 4 p.m. and then I get another dinner um, here, you know, and they, they have not only nutrition as soon as they got get off the bench mm-hmm. or get off the ice, they are consuming, you know, maybe cherry juice or protein shakes yeah. or um, honey stinger waffles or whatever, whatever the company may be. They're consuming um, their nutrition um, 
immediately as soon as they get their skates off or immediately as soon as we get in the locker room for football once to get their cleats off and then they're having their meal right there too mm -hmm. so um but that's really important from a recovery and replenishment standpoint so um us being able as an NCAA institution to provide those meals um and provide those those fueling opportunities I think has really been something that's elevated um athletic performance across the board across all sports um, and so it's been a really neat thing and, and, and a lot of that in, had all changed in the year of 2014. So not going to get into that now, but 2014 was a really pivotal year for the growth of an athletic department's mm -hmm. resources in my area of performance nutrition. Well, I'd like to loop back on that at some point and also go back into some sports specific yeah. stuff. I think the fans There's would find it, stuff. they would yeah. find it fascinating. Kayla, appreciate the time Absolutely. and we'll talk to you again, hopefully here. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Kayla Martin with us here. Our guest this time on Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Let's go state. The official podcast of Penn State Athletics.